As you heard David mention last week, um, we're going to be, for our talks, we're going to be following the lectionary again. But for a change of pace, um, we're not going to look at the Gospels or the New Testament readings. We're going to specifically look at the Old Testament readings. So those are usually some of the stories we don't really think about and we don't really talk about. But normally you would hear us talk about Jesus because we're Christians and we follow Jesus Christ. But there's a whole lot of this book this is our scripture, but this wasn't Jesus' scripture. Jesus' scripture was that part. That was his stories. Jesus, you could argue he knew about this part because those are the Gospels and those are his life, but this was all written about him. So these are things that Jesus never really learned. The other parts are his stories. So that first part, that big part, is the part that Jesus would have read and known and studied. So for a while, we're going to be talking about David. And by David, I mean King David. I don't mean David the pastor. So any references you hear in this talk are about the biblical King David. So why would we talk about David? Why is, why is he important in our Christian story? Well, we know that Jesus was a descendant of David, so that's important. Both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke or trace Jesus' genealogy through David. In Mark's Gospel, there's a story where he encounters blind Bartimaeus, who calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When we read at Christmas the um, prophecies from Isaiah, they refer to the Messiah coming from the root of Jesse, who we heard is the father of David. And the prophet Jeremiah also wrote, I will raise up from David, a righteous branch. So we know the connection to our Christian story is connected to that of David. So I'll put David in a bit of a historical context where he fits into the history of, um, of the Jewish people. Israel, when it returned from its exile in Egypt, functioned as a confederation of tribes. They didn't have a single ruler. So for a long time, they lived that way. They didn't need a ruler because God was their ruler. That's who they followed. That was their leader. From time to time, things would happen, and they would need to unite and this usually happened under the leadership of a judge. So this was someone raised up by God to make God's will known to the people to speak what their ruler God is telling them, to either fend off an outside threat or to lead them back from their sinful ways to God. So our reading today was from Samuel. Samuel himself was a judge. He was the last of the judges. 
And his story and David's story are found in the books of First and Second Samuel. When we come into the story, Samuel is getting on in age. And the people who, the people of Israel no longer want to function as they have. They have been asking for a king like other nations have. So they don't want to be under the authority of God. They want to be under the authority of a person. So a man named Saul, who we heard about in the first couple verses, a man named Saul is chosen by God and anointed by Samuel to be the king over Israel. So where we come into the story is at the, in the reign of Saul. And things have not gone well. Saul hasn't really worked out as king. He has been mentored, and his relationship with Samuel is now broken down. Saul has been the king, but Samuel has been his mentor, and they've had a strong relationship. But the relationship is now broken. The relationship between Saul and Samuel and the relationship between Saul and God as represented by Samuel. So there's a, there's a lot in that first two verses that, that just, um, I don't know, just, just seems so hurtful. Their relationship is gone. Saul has moved on. Samuel has moved on. And God has chosen Saul's replacement. So he's chosen a new king of Israel. So he sends Samuel off to Bethlehem because that's where the king is, the new king. This trip, this situation, as we can tell, provides a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Samuel is nervous. He's nervous because what if Saul finds out that he's going to anoint a new king? He's worried uh, Saul will kill him. The people of Bethlehem are nervous because Samuel is the judge. Why is he here? He's a man of power. He's close to the king. This can't be good. So they ask him, do you come in peace? Well, God has provided an answer for Samuel. He has said, tell them you're going to make a sacrifice. That will provide cover for, for anything Saul might think, and it gives you an excuse to be there. So we ask, we hear um, Samuel asks to, for Jesse to bring his sons out because one of the, the new king is going to come from there. And all are rejected by God. Samuel has to ask if there's anybody else because all of the seven sons he has brought are rejected. And Jesse admits, yes, I have another son the youngest, the last in the line, the one not important enough to come out to this, the one we left with the livestock. So this young one, this forgotten one, this insignificant one is revealed to be the next king of Israel. David is anointed to be king. I always love the continuity of the history and of our past and our present and our future and seeing how they're all connected. 
And we see it over and over and over again through our stories in the Bible. The man who will become the best known king of Israel is so insignificant that he does not even brought out of the fields to attend the sacrifice. God used the least to become the greatest. He didn't use the firstborn of Jesse. He used the eighth one. The overlooked one. And he was anointed. And when we look at that beginning of David's story, that's where we see the beginning of the Jesus story as well. Jesus, the descendant of David, the one who came from humble beginnings to become king of Israel. Jesus, the son of David, son of man, son of God, also came from humble beginnings, born in a stable and raised by a carpenter and his wife, the one who would become the Messiah. So what we see from this story is that God does not always choose the best or the smartest. We see that God reveals himself through the rejected, through the humble, through the unassuming. In the psalm it says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The rejected son of Jesse will become King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And the son of a carpenter would become the Messiah. God's word gets made known to us through shepherds, carpenters, fishermen, tax collectors, and sinners, more often than it gets revealed through kings and emperors. That goes to show us with God, all is possible. Nothing is so insignificant. No person is so insignificant that they are not known to God. And if we allow God into that space where it is insignificant, great things can happen. To God, none of us, none of us are insignificant. All of us are known. All we need to do is let God do the work and be willing to let God do the work. So let's take a moment and pray. Holy Father, God of David, God of Jesus, and God among us, we thank you that you come to us in the quiet, in the insignificant, and that that can be shown to be great and glorious in your sight. We thank you for being among us. We thank you for touching us, and we ask you to be with us now and always, shining your love in the smallest of places. Amen.